0: Good morning, a beautiful morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Beautiful thoughts in the songs, beautiful thought in the scripture that was read this morning to remind us a little bit about what the world is thinking today, tomorrow, But for us to catch a glimpse a little bit about what it really means that Jesus came into this world. John began his gospel, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Down in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John closed out his gospel with the thought that Jesus did many other things and many other words that were not recorded. If all of them had been recorded, even the heavens could not contain the volumes that would have been written concerning Jesus. John reminds us in the 20th chapter, verses 30 and 31, that these things were written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing in Him, you might have life through His name. Luke reminds us in the 7th chapter, verses 18 and 19, But the disciples of John reported all these things to him. Calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Out of Isaiah 35, verse 42, and also in verse 61. Then John reminds us in John 10:10, 10, 10, I have come to give them life and to give it abundantly. Are you the coming one? From the foundation of the world, God planned a redemption, and then He executed that redemption through the blood of Jesus through the time in human history. We see in this Gospel of John, since John spends a great deal of time dealing with about the last week in the life of Jesus, of some things that again remind us of the love, that God and Jesus had for mankind. They have a concept of the the depths of that love, the willingness to freely come and to give his life as that atonement for our sins. Leading up to this prayer, if you go back a few chapters to the 13th chapter, you have Jesus celebrating what we call the last Passover meal. Last part of the time for the Jewish religion. Not everything that they participated in that Passover meal had an application to that coming one that as he finished that meal, then he rose from that supper, girded himself with a towel and began to wash the feet of those disciples. Again, that concept, go back to John 1.1. 1, 1. That there's nothing in this world that was created that Jesus did not create that in all the power, all the splendor and all the glory that goes with being the creator of the universe and of mankind could so humble himself that he would take a towel and gird his feet, his self around the waist and begin to wash the feet of those 12 disciples including the one who would betray him. To do it without fanfare. To do it without them fully grasping what was taking place. Many today want to imitate that washing of the feet but have missed the lesson that he was bringing out. What I'm doing, you do not know. But later on, you will understand That what I've done, you're to do. A little bit later that 13th chapter, verses 34 and 35. That you're to love one another as I have loved you. By this shall the world know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. For that loving one another, as Christ has loved us, There's no way to again fathom that concept. The world spends a few hours, if you will, in some reflection of his coming into this world, but really do not contemplate what that meant. What was involved in that coming into this world? What type of love was it? Yea, he came to seek and to save the lost. But that price that he would pay for that seeking the lost, that separation, that agony, that shame that he went through on that cross. You Go into chapter 14, and as he's preparing his disciples for his departure, again reminds them of the fact that he came to help them and then to tell them that when he left that he would not leave them as orphans but that he would send the Holy Spirit to guide them. Same thing would be brought out in 16. That they would be guided into all the truth with a reminder that the Holy Spirit but only be able to tell the disciples the words of Jesus. And Jesus has stated that he could only speak the words of the Father. This is the essence and the supreme sacrifice of God to you and I. that constant reminder that would be there to go back and to remember the institution of what we call the Lord's Supper, to be able to remember that body and that blood. So many times we do it casually, if you will, So many times we really do not reflect on the depths of that sacrifice just for the joy of being able to commune around this table. Jesus would remind his disciples as you go into chapter 15 of John of his being the vine and R being the branches. That reminder even in that that the husbandman prunes those branches. And for that part of the world and for any of those who have traveled into vineyards and have seen them before they pruned them and then viewed them after they pruned them, you would almost swear that they killed them. (coughs) For them to bear much fruit, they have to be pruned. All that dead has to be removed for that new can grow and to bear the fruit. For those that, the branches that do not bear fruit, they're pruned and burned. They're cut off and burned. The live branches are pruned, cut back almost to the vine for us to remember our life is sustained by our being in the vine as a branch as a branch of Jesus. And then to grow and to bear the fruit. I think the fruit is described in Galatians 5 as the fruit of the Spirit. Characteristics of being Christ-like because we're abiding in that vine that is indeed Christ. Again, chapter 16 deals with the Holy Spirit. To catch the essence of it all, if you will, As you get into chapter 17, many of those in the religious world will turn to Matthew 6, 9 through 16, and call this the Lord's Prayer, and in essence do the very thing he said not to do, the vain repetition. But That's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer for us to catch the glimpse of the concepts that we need to be involved in of recognizing God, His kingdom, our dependence upon Him, drawing strength from Him, petitioning Him. But it's in John 17 that I believe is what we would call the Lord's Prayer. When a person prepares to die... The, excuse me, the mindset is changed. And thought is given to those that again are going to be left behind. Some of you may have been involved in some of that in your life. To see a parent begin to face death and want to call the, child, the children in. I've been there when a father had called his children in one by one to talk to them just before he died. To be able to express to his sons what was in his heart. (laughs) To one son, Keep your faith strong in God, son. And keep serving him with your heart. To the second son. Son, you need to make your life right with God. My heart's desire, he told him, Would be for him to know that his sons were serving God faithfully in the church. It's what's in the heart that goes through the mind before one passes. This is what you're seeing in John 17. Jesus spoke these words lifted up his eyes to heaven and said Father the hour has come glorify your son that your son also may glorify you we know later as we read through the other gospels as he petitions his father in the garden of Gethsemane. And in that case, Matthew 26, that case not lifting his eyes towards heaven, but falling prostrate on the ground to petition that the father's will be done. What we do or what the world considers today or tomorrow. It's not a baby Jesus in the manger. It's the Son of God entering this world because you and I are sinners. No way for salvation apart from the shading of his blood upon that cross. For him to be able to set the example to the life that he lived. Seen early in his, his life at the age of 12 when he went up to Jerusalem for the Passover meal. To be left behind when his parents returned to find him. Did you not know I must be about my father's business. He came to seek and to save the lost. So Father, glorify your, your son that he may glorify you in return. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is the purpose. One that seems so remote, God in heaven, beyond our comprehension and beyond our vision, but never distant from His creation. Planned redemption. For man to have seen, touched, heard God in the flesh to reject, ridicule, mock, and crucify. But as Jesus is praying, I have kept your word. You have been glorified by the life I've lived. We share in that glory as those who behold what God has done. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you've gave me to do. As you read the Gospels, there's simply no way to comprehend what Jesus did. To have known all things to know what was in the heart of man. To understand that one that he chose would betray him. That the others would deny him. And as we sing in a song occasionally, he died without a friend. And then we say, I'll be a friend to Jesus. Jesus. Do we understand what we say? Do we understand what he did? Do we understand that this Christianity, this body of Christ, is never a part of life? It is life. Jesus said, I am the life and that he came to give life abundantly. And that there is not a person in this world that can see the Father in heaven apart through that blood of Jesus Christ. So ours shall er ever be. but we honestly listen to what we read and what we're seen in our life. Jesus, let us come to know you. Is that truly your heart's desire this morning? Do you honestly want to know this Jesus? To know him is to love him. To love him is to obey him. To obey him is to serve him. All that I have, all that I ever hope to achieve, all that shall ever be mine is never mine. It is his. I glorify him in the life I live. Where are you this morning? Is your life where it needs to be in light of the Word of God? According to the blood that he shed on the cross for your forgiveness of sins, have you repented of those? Confess them? Confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior? Have you been buried in baptism for the remission of those sins? Oh, that you may be raised to walk this new life as a child of the living God and to serve him faithfully until that final breath is taken. He waits. He invites. That invitation is his. If you need to respond to it, if we could assist you, we could help you. Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.